Welcome to the Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast, where we are all about going beyond programs, beyond best practices, and beyond curriculum to recover and learn from our Wesleyan roots and to explore the foundations for small groups that are organized to beat the devil and that produce disciples of Jesus Christ, who in turn disciple others. My name is Scott Hughes. I am the Director of Adult Discipleship here at Discipleship Ministries. Recently, I was able to interview Robert Martin. Robert is Professor of Christian Formation and Leadership at Wesley Theological Seminary, where he's also been the dean. Robert has taught Christian education at Yale. He's also taught leadership at St. Paul. And as dean at Wesley, he has taught both of them. Robert is an ordained elder in Missouri Conference. I had the opportunity to meet Robert for the first time at the Christian Education on the CEF National Convention and uh, just had a really good time in his workshop, having just a pop in accidentally and really enjoyed what I what I was hearing. And so I was really appreciative for him to sit down with me and do this interview. I really appreciate the clarity that he brings. And we had such a great conversation. I didn't want to I'll break it off short, and so you're going to have two episodes of my interview with Robert. And so this will be the first episode, and so uh, sit back and enjoy. Well, Robert, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join me this morning. I want to say a big thank you to, for you to, for, to, to doing that. Now, I'll begin this by just saying how we met. I was going around CEF taking pictures of workshop leaders, and uh, I popped in your workshop, and you were talking about something very interesting to me. You were talking about spirituality. In fact, I still have your handout right in front of me. And as you were talking about it, I kind of leaned in. You were pressing the participants a little bit to be clear about their own spirituality, and uh, I've experienced a lot of frustration when it comes to spirituality. I, it's, it's a word I'd heard a lot, and to me, it just was used so much that it had no meaning to it, no purpose to it. And so as you were bringing some clarity to it, I, it really was became interesting to me. I kind of stopped the, the job I was doing of going around taking pictures, mm-hmm. and, and I was fascinated. And, and I think I did leave for a little bit and came back to the workshop. And so I thought we'd just begin by allowing you to talk about Christian spirituality. What, what does that mean? Bring some clarity to that for us, if you would. Well, Scott, first of all, it's just really nice to be with you. I appreciate the opportunity to be on the podcast. It's, yeah. it's really quite, quite nice to be here with you. And uh, spirituality, you're right, is an incredibly vague notion. Yeah. And uh, the definitions um, are scattered all over the place. And there's a lot of uh, contradiction uh, mm. among them. And so, so you kind of wonder about anyone who's planning for spiritual growth or discipleship and how in the world are we going to help people grow as disciples is spirituality itself and then growth in spirituality is so vague yeah right? exactly. i mean it's very it's very hard to make any progress to to like if you have a map that is contradictory it's mm. difficult to get from one place to another if that map isn't clear, right? Mm-hmm. If it doesn't show the way in, um, you know, with some clarity. Yeah, because um, people want to move forward in, spir- in spirituality right. and grow. And, and I think preachers often preach that. Yep. But then it's people are left frustrated with, well, how do I do this? That's right. And, and my experience when I do workshops and I go to congregations to talk about this and talk about, uh, talk about it with pastors and laity, I get the sense that there's a real frustration out there mm. 
people are trying their best. They want to, to, to move. They want to grow. They want to feel the spirit of God welling up within them. They mm -hmm. want to see themselves uh, different. They want to mm -hmm. behave differently. They want to know that they've grown, right? That they've matured mm -hmm. in spirituality, but they don't know what that even means. They don't know how, they don't know the markers, the markers, of spiritual yeah. growth, right? So how do you know you've, you've grown? How do you know you've changed? What, uh, what happens? Uh, so, and we were talking earlier about the fact that in John Wesley's time, right? So the mm -hmm. Methodist movement arose out of this, exactly these kinds of questions, because the Church of England was, um, you know, it, it wasn't exactly promoting spiritual growth among mm -hmm. the population at large. And so John Wesley was very frustrated with this and took it upon himself to start his own program with his brother Charles. Um, yeah a program for spiritual growth and it, it uh, eventually moved into small groups and then a multi-tiered approach of small groups mm -hmm. um, uh, with greater uh, intensity of intimacy yeah. and, and holy conversation, right? Yes. Really getting at the nub of what spirituality is and how they're going to follow Christ. And um, so anyway, I think the conversation is, is really important and I'm glad you've, been raising it in this podcast and yeah we're going to talk about it today yeah so let's talk about those markers if, if i'm someone who's yearning for for spiritual growth and, and you and i'm in one of your workshops and and we're talking about christian spirituality and growing what are the markers i should be looking for in order to to mark my own spiritual growth yeah so um there are lots of ways to come at this okay and so, and i think that the profusion of ways of thinking about markers of spirituality is part of the problem uh, mm. i mean it's 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 a good problem but it just yeah. you know there's a lot to think about and so you might think about the fruits of the spirit mm -hmm. right? self control peace um uh, love joy peace patience kindness that, yeah. right? those kinds of things and so but how do you how do you assess growth in self-control mm. and in gentleness, kindness, mm. love, joy? How do you assess that in a way where you're not just fooling yourself, right? Or mm, if you're in a true. group, that's true. how do you assess this such that you're not just speaking to one another in flattering terms? Yeah. And, um, and, and then again, you know, John Wesley, just his temperament was rather blunt. Right? So, uh, <laughs> Say the least. <laughs> yes, exactly. So when John Wesley was teaching people, uh, especially the leaders of these small groups, the various kinds of small groups, he would teach them to ask the questions directly mm. and to wait for the answer and then to press for the deeper answer. How mm. goes it with your soul? Mm -hmm. No, really. How is it really going with your soul? Are you lying to me about what? Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then getting at the negative. So how how is love not manifest in your life? What are the specifics? And then how is love manifest? How have you blessed people? And then so um, so keeping track of one's behavior and and the results of that behavior that takes discipline. And so, 
uh, it is a mark of Wesleyan spirituality, the Methodist, the methods that we use uh, and that other denominations and other religions use are disciplined. They're mm. regularly, regular, orderly, systematic, thoughtful ways of working out our salvation. That doesn't mean we don't, we don't never cause our salvation. It's not a work right. of righteousness, but it is manifesting the salvation that is within and all around us, manifesting that in our lives as we move uh, from moment to moment, from day to day. Yeah, and the, the method, right? The method of Methodism had nothing to do with committees, <laughs> right? It had to do no. with uh, moving in, in salvation in an orderly way. So I want to pick on, there's a number of things you've said that I want to touch on. But mm. first is having spiritual conversations. Yeah my experience with adults is they're not real good with these yeah. conversations because we're talking about some, our most intimate relationship you can have is your relationship with God and adults are not good at being vulnerable. And that's exactly what we're asking them to be <laughs> is mm -hmm. to be vulnerable. So any thoughts about how to help these conversations go well, where we're asking people to uncover things that they don't particularly like talking about, which is growing spiritually. They're frustrated because they know they're not growing as much as they should um, and they're not used to having these kind of conversations, how, you know, besides being blunt, like John Wesley and just mm -hmm. <laughs> out with it, yeah. how do we help foster those sorts of conversations? Well, let's, let's get at some of the, let's get at this kind of negatively first okay. to say, uh, I also talk with a number of people who have left uh, institutional mm. church. Yeah. And some of these folks are desperately yearning for the kind of conversation that we're talking about, that we're alluding to right now mm -hmm. about how goes it with your soul and how might your soul progress over time in spiritual growth, maturity, and in fruit uh, of that real productivity uh, in a spiritual way. They are leaving the church because the church, because a lot of congregations don't get at this. Mm. They're not sitting with one another in a holy conversation that's the that's you know the language that john wesley used yeah a holy conversation that is intimate it is direct it is grace filled uh, but a conversation that one has in a group and also one can have within oneself so the self-talk right how mm -hmm. goes it with my soul how am I doing? What have I done that is pleasing to God? What have I done that is not pleasing to God? You know, that sort of thing. And then also in a group, how can we, um, how can we grow together in a kind of conversation that grows over time very deeply? So let me get to the second negative okay. point. And that is, I wouldn't say, yes. I mean, some people don't want to have this conversation. They really don't. And so yeah. they, they, they want to shy away from it. And a lot of our congregations are oriented toward that kind of uh, movement away from intensity, from intimacy, mm. from uh, a, a real authentic conversation about spirituality. Yeah. And so our, our own congregations that are supposed to be the very site, the center of our spiritual engagement, um, are, it, you know, it's, it's vacuous, it's mm. pablum, 
uh, we, we, we operate at a surface level. So that's, you know, so I think that now to, to move toward a more positive um, approach to this, and that is to say that whenever we get into conversation, we need to ease into it. You know, when you go into a party uh, with people you don't know, you don't get right into your fears <laughs> and, you know, your deepest yeah. longings, right? You, you don't you, do that. Yeah, and it just, you, you're going to be by yourself a lot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or yeah, people are going to shy away and they're going to go, you know, to the, the punch bowl and leave you alone. Yeah. Um, but rather you, you gradually get to know people and the conversation gets more intimate, more intense, um, uh, more authentic, mm. more revealing. Right. And so pastors are church leaders who are trying to do small groups. They need to have a plan, mm. a way by which people over time ask the more evocative questions, mm. probe into each other's lives, but gently, graciously, so that um, we are not, um, you know, we're not going too fast, too far, mm -hmm. and thus putting people off, mm, but yeah, rather nice. folks can uh, move along at, at their own pace to have the kind of conversation that helps them the most. And you know that the Wesleyan small group is not just about classes. It's not just about one kind of small group, but rather John Wesley had a four tiered um, structure whereby classes or the society mm -hmm. was then had classes. And then the next smaller group was a band and then the next smaller group and more intense and intimate group was a select society. Mm -hmm. And those groups um, were progressively smaller from society to select society. And the questions and the, the interests and the, the work that those people did together was also more spiritually oriented. They were, mm. um, uh, they spent more time in mission they spent more time in prayer, more time in Bible study, more time in spiritual, holy conversation with one another. Mm -hmm. So before I get to my next point, I want to ask this. Yeah. You use the word evocative. Yeah. I know that's, that's key for you. Can you say a yeah. little more about evocative questions and what they're aiming for? Yeah. So the word evocative is E, which means out, and vocare, which is calling, right? mm. you're calling. And so an evocative is to call out from either yourself or another person or a group. Mm. So to have an evocative, to, to engage someone evocatively is to call out from them their truth, the truth that resides within that they may not even know. Mm. Right. And so our conversations with one another need to be such that, we are, we are asking the more evocative question to get at yeah. the deeper truth, right? And it, it may very well, well be that we have to ask the question over and over and over, over time, mm -hmm. over, you know, the months and years, so that people, well, you know as well as I do, that when, when we're getting into serious issues, right, issues that we're kind of scared of and we're not too sure we want to talk about, right. that we have these defense mechanisms and we don't tell the truth. It's, mm. it's either, um, you know, we're, 
we're telling a falsehood or we're just not telling the full truth. Yeah. And so over time, a holy conversation is one that, that probes ever more gently and deeply so that the truth, the inner truth, the greater truth can gradually emerge right in the conversation. And so it's, it's, it's revelatory. Yeah. Well, I really like how you're explaining holy conferencing. I mean, too often it becomes sort of about political or hot button issues when really yeah. the Wesleyan way was much more, how are you growing spiritually? Those, those are right. a more intimate setting, a more intimate conversation. I want to go back a little bit because these evocative questions that are designed to, to help move us further along. Mm-hmm. So what's the purpose of spirituality? Well, okay, let's, let's get first at what spirituality is. Okay, yeah. Okay, so spirituality is a quality of our existence, of our life, because we're created in and through God, right? We're always being created at yeah. every moment. So John chapter 1, we're being created through the Logos all the time. It's not just in the past. We're, you know, creation just didn't happen, and then we, uh, you know— are now here and there's no creation going on. No, we're yeah. constantly being created and God isn't finished with us yet, right? Amen. Thank God God's yeah. not finished with us yet. So we are constantly being created and recreated and redeemed in all of that. Mm-hmm. So we are beings that are constantly being created, molded, shaped um, we, uh, through God. So we're always in God. We're always, uh, God is always around us and in all things, right? So that's the doctrine of om- mm-hmm. omnipresence. We are in God. God is in all things and God is beyond all things. Mm-hmm. So now what is spirituality? Right. Well, spirituality is our spirit's relationship to the spirit in and through which we are always being created, in which we're always being held, Mm -hmm. that is moving through us all the time. So spirituality is our relationship to God, in God, with God, and with all things in Mm -hmm. God, because all things are in God, right? God's everywhere, all things are in God. So spirituality is the quality of our relationship with God and all things in God mm-hmm. such that we become over time more fully the image and likeness of God. Now that mm-hmm. is a tall order, mm-hmm. no doubt about it, but that's what spiritual to me. Yeah. That's what, I mean, when you think about Genesis uh, that were created in, in, in the image and likeness of God, and then the first chapter of John, right, which harkens back to Genesis, that, that um, we are created to be the image and likeness of God, and spirituality is the manifestation of that. And so that has to do with all of our relations, both to ourself, to those that are closest to us, to those that are furthest away from us, that includes the cashier when you check out at the grocery mm-hmm. store. It includes the immigrant across the border. It includes the uh, person in jail. We think of Matthew 25 in which, mm-hmm. and the person in prison, the person on the hospital bed, the, the, the people that we are most afraid of mm. 
Spirituality is about the quality of relation with those people as unto God. Mm. And so you think of the fruits of the spirit and the gifts of the spirit as markers of that, that relationship that is in all things, having to do with all things all the time. It's just, I mean, it's mind blowing and you can't think about it, you know, universally, you can't think about the whole thing very long or your mind will really blow up. And yeah, so, yeah, it will. And I'm not sure we're always designed to do that, right? No, I mean, we can't. We yeah. Just, because it really would be paralyzing and you'd be lost yeah. in the cosmos of all this. So that's why small group, disciplined, person and personal um, practices, the mm-hmm. discipline of it, that's what is so important because if you discipline mm-hmm. yourself, then you're taking a small thing and you're making it fit into that larger thing. So here's, here's how I think about discipline. It's, it has to do with sports, you know, training in sports yeah. and training sure. in music. And so I, I uh, dabble at the piano or I, I did. Okay. And um, so I remember doing scales, right? Oh, you, yeah. you, you, you play scales and you play them over and over and over and over and over. And the purpose of practicing a scale is not the scale. <laughs> the purpose of practicing the scale is to get the music and that movement into your muscle memory and your fingers so that when you are, when you're playing a piece, then your fingers know the movement, but your mind is concentrating on making music. So you're, you're not, you're not focused on each measure, each note, Rather, your fingers know the notes, they know how to go on the keyboard, and your mind is soaring in the music and your heart is floating along with the ups and downs of the music, and your fingers are just doing the work that you've trained them to do habitually. So it it habituates, so discipline, spiritual discipline, habituates us in the small matters so that our lives more fully conform to the divine life in the big, you know, in the big scope of yeah. the, the universal scope of things. Yeah, that's so great. That over time, we become more, more like, more the image and likeness of God. Yeah. So, so before, I, I want to dig in a little deeper in the discipline and habituation. Before I get there, I want to make a comment that, you know, as you were talking about spirituality and what it is, uh, the thing that, that really stuck out to me when you first said this and, and now again is you, you keep from two errors and you do this in a very balanced way. It is very highly personal and it has social implications. It's, it's very, it's very much. So that is, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping in here. No, please. But, but that's what communion is. Yeah. Right. So communion is the unity of all Mm. and the individualization of the one Mm. fully. So communion unifies and individualizes. And why do we know this? It's because of the Trinity. Mm. So God is one and three. Mm -hmm. And the three persons of the divine Godhead 
are absolutely um, perfect in their individuality. Right. And yet they are fully unified. I mean, that is, it is a brilliant, it's a, it's a fabulous way of thinking. It's a, it's just a wonderful concept that, that individualizing each person growth and uh, maturity in the individual is supposed to unify us so that there is no a Christian communion is never supposed to pit the mm. unity of the whole mm-hmm. and the individuality of each member. And you mm-hmm. see this most clearly in first Corinthians chapter 12, mm-hmm. right? So verse seven is to each has been given a manifestation of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Why? For the common good. Yep. Right. And then it goes a little bit um, later on in the verse the Apostle Paul is talking about the necessity of, uh, of us um, including the foot and the hand. Each part of the body is necessary. It is yep. essential, right? So it's the body that uh, recognizes the essentiality of each member. And mm. then he goes on to say that that is even more important with those who are the lowliest, those mm-hmm. who have the least honor among us, those who are most vulnerable, that it is the responsibility of the unity to lift up and protect and develop each person so that, as in chapter seven, uh, verse 7, their special gifts, their manifestation of the Spirit can then contribute to the whole, the unity. So it's this constant uh, infinity loop Mm-hmm. between growing capacity in the whole to take care of each so that each can contribute to the whole. That's yeah. what communion means uh, and yeah. is. And it is. So, yeah. 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 So what, what I'm doing a little reflection here. I mean, what I, what I find so helpful in what you're saying is you're tying together spirituality and Christian doctrine. Yes. Right? Oh. What we believe and, and how that goes together. And that doesn't always happen. I mean, that, that's what I yeah. really appreciate yeah. is, as yeah. you're doing that. And one of the metaphors we talked about was um, going to a doctor, right? When mm-hmm. you go to a doctor, you, you, you want a diagnosis and a prognosis. You want, yeah, yeah. The, you know, a clear diagnosis of what's wrong and how we're going to help fix things. Right. And too often it feels like we go to church and we're sort of spiritually hungering for a doctor, a spiritual doctor. And we don't always get that marriage of, uh, of spirituality and doctrine together. That, that really does bring a clarity of who we are and who, how we were created to live and, and yes. who we were created to be. Um, and I, I think that's really helpful to, to know that um, spirituality is vital to what God is calling us to do and to be. And that there is a, a significant intellectual aspect to it, mm-hmm. right? So if, if, if Jesus is the great physician, then we should all be physician assistants, mm-hmm. right? I like that. Well, when I go to the doctor, I look for the doctor who knows the most, That's right. who can talk to me in ways that I understand. Yeah. And then on the basis of her or his own knowledge and his or her diagnosis of me can prescribe a very um, specific regimen mm-hmm. of therapy, right? 
yeah. whatever that therapy is. I don't want someone who is vague, <laughs> who doesn't know what they're talking about, yeah. who doesn't see who I am, who, who's not concerned with the very small particulars of my situation, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I don't True. want someone who is, um, who has low capacity <laughs> to treat me. So why in the yeah. world would we expect people to come to the church yeah. if, the, if, people, if the leadership of the church is vague, mm. unknowledgeable mm-hmm. um, about the very thing that they're coming to get, right? Yeah. They're coming to get... Um, to see the great physician. They're coming to encounter the great physician. And I think we're getting in the way Mm. of that all too often. Yeah. So your point's very, very right on. Well, as I said, that was just the first part of our conversation. And I I hope you enjoyed the the clarity that Robert brings to spirituality and how how we grow spiritually. I also appreciate the, the conversation about having I- intimate conversations and, and, and habits. And those are some of the things I think we're going to touch on again in the next episode. So be on the lookout for that. If you would like to get in contact with Robert, you can do that. His email address is rkmartin at kc.rr.com. So one of the things I'd like to do again is do a book giveaway. I'll have a number of feedback for that last time. So y'all obviously like that. So uh, I've got a number of books. I've got Barbara Bruce's Seven Ways of Teaching the Bible to Adults, Julie Gorman's Community That is Christian, uh, Thomas Hawkins' Apprentice to Jesus, and I think a couple others as well. And so what what you can do if you just send me some some feedback, some suggestions, if you've got some suggestions for future episodes, um, the first person who sends me those that feedback, I'll, I'll make sure and send you a book. So for this episode, I want to thank our technical director, Blake. Matt Carlisle is our web producer, and Steve Horswell-Johnson is our producer. You can always get in touch with me. Uh, uh, You can find my email address on our website, umcdiscipleship.org. You can find me on Twitter, at Rev Scott's Tweets, also at UMC Adult Form for adult formation, where you can send me your suggestions, your feedback. I always want to be as interactive as possible. And so until next time... Peace. Small Groups in the Wesleyan Way podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.